0: Hey Berean family, Pastor Dan here in Wasilla, Alaska, standing in front of my house. Uh, It's good to be home. It's good to be with family. Uh, But I got to tell you, we are ready to be there with you in Mansfield, Ohio. Uh, I I enjoyed getting to know a lot of you for the month or so that I was in town, thinking I was only going to be out of town for a week and a half or so. Here we are with the coronavirus that's now calling the shots on travel. So I want you to know that my family and I were excited to be there with you. Uh, we're committed to continue to communicate with you as best as we can while we're here, uh, but can't wait to be there with you. And as soon as uh, the, the, the uh, current circumstances allow, we will be there with you. I uh, just wanted to let you know that. We are currently in a series right now titled, Who is Jesus and Why Does It Matter? Jesus is arguably the most important figure in the history of this world. I say arguably because some people just simply don't believe in him. Uh, I believe, and I think most of you believe, that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the God of this universe. He is the one that we worship. He is the one that we have put our trust and our faith in. And because of all of that, this is very important to get right. Who is Jesus, right? Very important. And and it matters because it's going to dictate how we're going to live our lives, how we interpret interpret. Who Jesus is will dictate how we interact with him and how we live our lives in a major way. So I think this is an incredibly important series for us to be in. Uh, even Particularly right now in this season that we had no idea was coming with the whole coronavirus thing. Uh, and people are scared about what's coming and and unsure about what the world's going to look like. As followers of Christ, we don't need to have that fear. We don't need to have, be uncertain. We know what's coming. And we know what, what eternity holds for us. So uh, I think it's an important series <clears throat> for us to be in. We are currently in week six of the seven-week series, and we're studying the seven I Am statements that Jesus made throughout the Gospel of John. Today, we are on the the I Am statement number six, which is, I am the way and the truth and the life. And this is found in John chapter 14. So if you'd go ahead, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and go to John chapter 14 right now. If you don't have your Bible sitting in front of you, it's okay. We're going to put the text up on the screen as we are going through Big idea this morning or this today is super easy. It has a, it's, it's very much just like our, our uh, I am statement. It is this: it's, it's Jesus is the way to follow, He is the truth to believe, and He is the life to live. That's our big idea today. And uh, we're going to be digging into that a little bit. But before we do, before we open John chapter 14, I kind of want to set the stage a little bit of what's going on. What are the circumstances in which Jesus makes the statement? Because it's incredibly important for us to understand the weight of what he's saying. And the only way we're going to do that is if we understand the audience and the timing of what he said and when he said it. Well, it happened on the Thursday. I say the Thursday because it was the Thursday, right before his crucifixion. And we we know this picture, right? The painting of of all the uh, the disciples at the at the Last Supper. Well, that the table was actually more like a U shape. Most historians believe you'd have Jesus and John in the in the middle with one other disciple, and on the sides you had the rest of them. In the middle of the U, we, you would have the opportunity for somebody serving them to kind of walk into that middle and, and reach all the plates. Well, they weren't also they also weren't really sitting at the table. They were probably reclining at the table. Uh, likely laying on their sides with their arm up on the table, kind of like so. That's kind of the picture of what's going on when Jesus, again, in the middle, looking down on both sides and the guys next to him talking and teaching them about what's to come. In that room at that table, there was a lot of anticipation. We know this because earlier on we hear uh, one of the disciples asking, you know who 's going to be the greatest in your kingdom You see the people the disciples believe that Jesus was about to usher into usher in his kingdom in an earthly way like right then and there, and they had a misunderstanding, I think uh, at least a little bit about not so much who he was. I think most of them, if not all the Judas, um, and maybe even he did too, most of them knew who he was as the son of God, but they misunderstood some of the timing of things. They thought that he was an usher in his kingdom right there in their lifetime. And there had to have been incredible anticipation and excitement. They've been walking with Jesus now for three years. They've seen all the things that he he has done. They, They have learned from his teachings. They have witnessed his miracles and they've grown their faith because of it. They spent time to together with Jesus for three years so you can imagine the anticipation now like maybe this is it his kingdom is about to be ushered in I wonder wonder which one of us is going to be the most important And if you read John chapter 13, you learn how Jesus responds to that, to that that kind of prideful question. Jesus shows them what? He shows them humility. As the God of this universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he stands from the table, puts a servant's cloth around his waist, and one by one he goes around the table and washes his disciples' feet. Now, that was an unexpected uh, development that had happened, and it must have shocked the disciples, and he gets to Peter, and we know the kind of the story here, a lot of us do, where he gets to Peter and Peter says, "No, Lord, you're my Lord, you, I should be washing your feet." And Jesus says, "If you want to have any part of me, you're going to have to let me do this." And Jesus, or Peter's famous response is, then, "Just not my feet, Lord, wash all of me." Of course, that was unnecessary, and Jesus had just demonstrated this incredible humility. And now Jesus goes and he starts telling his disciples after that, hey, where I'm going, you're not going to be able to follow right now. And he, he starts to, to let them know what's about to, to unfold. And Peter, again, and, and probably his pride, he's like, no, Lord, not me, not me. I won't let that. Wherever you go, I'm going with you. And then what must have been a crushing moment for Peter, Jesus looks at him and says, before dawn, before the, crow, uh, the cock crows three times, you will, I'm sorry, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And that's where we pick up in our text today. That's where where we we find out where Jesus says this I am statement. So if you join me, John chapter 14, verses one through seven. And before we do that, let's open with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for this day. Thank you again for modern technology that while 4,000 miles away, we are not just united in your spirit, we are united in your spirit and that's a huge thing. It's awesome thing, but we can also be united through this technology and able to communicate with one another in real time. And and it's such a cool opportunity for us to be able to do that. So we thank you for it. God, I just pray for all those folks, all the folks at all everybody listening to my words today. God, I just pray that your spirit will help us all take a step closer to you through the reading and the understanding of your word. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, here we are. John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. How can you say, show us the Father? So in our text, we have Jesus challenging his followers to look beyond the temporary and towards eternity. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. You see, Jesus can say that knowing what's going on because he sees the bigger picture of eternity. Uh, we do the same kind of thing as parents, don't we? When, we, when we're when we disciplining our kids or talking to them about something uh, or, or encouraging them in some way, uh, we have a, a different um perspective maybe than they do. That's broader than what they're currently seeing. And we have to help them see that. You know, I think about my kids who are in sports and and, uh, the amount of work it takes if you want to really make it somewhere in sports and the conversations we've had about, you know, it's not what you do even necessarily, my kids are hockey players. It's not always what you do on the ice. It's what you're doing off the ice that really matters because what are you doing to prepare yourself to, uh, are you working harder than everybody else? All those things, why? Because I'm in a state season of my life where I see a bigger picture than what they see. Uh, and, and, I, and because of the years of my life and the wisdom that I've been able to accumulate, I can look at things in a way that they can't. And I have that broader perspective. Well, Jesus is the same way. He has a broader perspective. He realizes that uh, the next few days of what he's going to be talking about here are just a, is it just a small uh, fragment of, of time compared to eternity. He sees the bigger pictures. And he's encouraging his disciples and us to be able to see a bigger picture of eternity um, through uh, these temporary times that we're in. He knows that he's about to be betrayed. He, when, when he's saying this, this text here, he knows he's about to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be uh, beaten. He knows he's going to be murdered in a terrible way on a cross. But yet he says, let not your hearts be troubled. And, and I have to ask the questions, why not? There are some seriously bad stuff that's about to take place. But in the midst of it, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Why? It's because of the broader eternal perspective that he has that we need to have. He then, he goes on to talk about in this broader perspective, he paints this picture for what's to come. He says, in my father's house, or my, his father's house has many rooms. What does that mean? That means he's, there's a place for his people. In fact, he says he's going to prepare a place for his followers in this text, So where he is going, he's going there with purpose. Uh, He's going to reunite and retrieve uh, his followers one day. Again, this is the broader picture that Jesus has and what what he's trying to get his disciples to see and to recognize uh, before, before he faces his cross. Well, the same goes for us. We need to lift up our eyes and see eternity in these temporary struggles. We need to be able to understand that Uh, The coronavirus, you know, that's the thing right now. It's not going to have the final say. It's not going to have the final say. You might be at risk, low risk, high risk, whatever. Coronavirus doesn't have the final say. Only God has that. We need to be able to look up from the mess that we're in, look up from this temporary situation, look up from these current troubles and tribulations, and recognize that we we were created for eternal purposes, that this is just a blip in the screen, that there's a much broader picture to be seen. And just like Jesus is talking to his disciples here, telling them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Because of this broader perspective, I think he would tell us the same thing right now. Listen, I know things are kind of crazy, but don't let your hearts be troubled. Have a broader perspective. See things for their eternal value, not just their temporary ones. Our big idea again is this. Jesus is the way to follow, the truth to believe, and the life to live. Uh, I'm going to read now and uh, uh, join me again with uh, John chapter 14 verses 5 and 7. It says this, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus is the way to follow and the truth to believe. As a matter of fact, Jesus is the only way. He is the only way to the father. And that's one of his main points that he's making here. I am the way. He is the way. That means there are no other ways. I've already talked about this at length. In my on the, in this series on the sermon talking about uh, the the I am statement of I am the gate of the sheep where Jesus is the only gate through which we can pass in order to have a relationship with God the Father uh, that's one of the main points in this but I'm not going to belabor the point because we, we just did that a couple of weeks ago so if you haven't yet seen that one I encourage you to check out our website and uh, watch that sermon as well um, but Jesus is the way and the only way. To the Father, I think it's kind of interesting, uh, in light of the uh, current uh, coronavirus crisis, especially in Italy right now. Uh, that I've heard, and, and I haven't done any fact checking on this one, but I've heard that the Pope has said uh, to his people that, hey, right now you don't need to go to a confession; you can go directly and pray to God yourself. And and you have to you hear that, and it just kind of makes you chuckle and think about what Martin Luther must be thinking uh, from from heaven right now. Of yeah, I think that's kind of my point I made several years ago, right? Uh, That we can, because of who Christ is and what he's done for us, we can go directly to God the Father. And when he sees us, he doesn't see us for our sinful selves. He sees us through this amazing lens of his son, Jesus Christ, in the blood that he had shed for us. Jesus is the way. No man is the way. No other God, no other anything is the way, but Jesus is the way. And he is the only way. Uh, John fourteen thirteen through 14 says this, whatever you ask in my name, this is Jesus talking, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. What an incredible promise through Jesus, the way or the gate that we talked about earlier. We have direct access to God, the father. Just, I mean, I, I think it's worthy of pausing for a moment and just thinking about what that means. Yes, I did do a whole sermon on this, but it's a truth that's exciting. It's because we have direct access to the, the God of all the gods, the creator of this universe. There is nobody who is greater than him. We have direct access to him, even though we are fallen and sinful creatures because of the blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God, because of what Jesus done for us. We can have that. He is the way. He is also the truth to believe. And this is also exciting to me. We can have confidence in the Lord because he has risen from the dead. Friends, that's the ultimate exclamation point on everything else Jesus had said. Everything Jesus, all of his claims, the exclamation point behind it was his resurrection. And because of that resurrection, as a follower of Christ, I can have hope, I can have confidence that in like way, in a like way, I'll be able to have a resurrection one day. That death won't have the final say. That sin doesn't have the final say. That this temporary world that we're living in doesn't get the final say. We are eternal beings, followers of Jesus. And we just like uh, we follow him, hopefully in our lives, we get to follow him in the resurrection because of what he's done. Friends, I've, I've talked to people who say, man, it's hard for me to believe that there was a flood that engulfed the whole world. Or it's hard for me to believe that in just seven days or six days that God could have created everything we have, we see. Or it's hard for me to believe that he took and parted the Red Sea. There must have been a different way he went about it. Or maybe it's hard for me to believe, like we're talking about in our devotion time during the week, that Joshua was able to stand on the banks of the Jordan River and uh, the priests were able to step in and 20 miles upstream it dried up for the whole nation of Israel to cross over the Jordan. Uh, It's hard for me to believe that, that the people would walk around the walls of Jericho and they would just fall down. It's hard for me to believe all those things. But friends, if Jesus rose from the dead, and I believe that he did, it's the ultimate exclamation point on everything else. Because if he could do that, he can do absolutely anything. Jesus is the way to follow the truth to believe and the life to live. Listen to John 14, 25 through 31. Jesus is the giver of life. He modeled what that life lo- ought to look like for, for his followers as well. And it was a sacrificial kind of life. Not only did he die on the cross, I think again about that room uh, that we, we started this talking about, that, uh, the Last Supper, where, where when, his, when his followers are thinking about which one of them is going to be greater than the other, Jesus gets up and he starts washing all of their feet and, and he says, this is the way we need to be loving one another. And, and in fact, uh, that's how the world's going to know, is the way we love one another. We're, we have this opportunity, and they had this opportunity, to show the world a different kind of love, a different kind of perspective, a, a sacrificial one, one where we, we put somebody else's wants and needs before our own. That's what love is. That's the kind of love we've been called to do. And that's the kind of love that Jesus modeled for us. Uh, He modeled that, and we all live like that. He made clear the lives we must live, uh, uh, the commands he has given us twice in this text. In John 14, does he say, to follow, obey his commands. What are his commands? Love God, love people. It's as simple as that. It's what everything else hangs on. If we're loving the Lord our God, and we're loving other people as ourselves, then everything else kind of falls into place. It's what Jesus modeled. It's the lives that are expected from us. And it's the way, again, the world's going to be able to see us as some, as something's different here. And we're going to have an awesome opportunity to share our testimonies. And he didn't leave us, I love this in this text, he doesn't leave us to fend for ourselves. Again, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to you your remembrance, all that I have said to you. This is why I I pray every time I read the Bible, God, just open my eyes and show me your spiritual truths. Why? Because I believe the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit can teach me. He can teach you. It's why we pray at the beginning of our sermons, Lord, help us all to take a step closer to you. Well, who's going to do that? The helper, the counselor, the Holy Spirit of God. When Jesus ascended into heaven, we're not down here alone waiting for him to return. Yes, we're definitely waiting for him to return and we're excited for that day, but we're not alone. We have the Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor that was sent to us. And in his life, the life of Jesus, the giver of life, We have victory. We have victory. We've talked about this already. We have victory over death. We have victory over sin. We have victory. We can have victory over broken relationships. You see, it's not just the eternal because Jesus does want us to be thinking eternally, but he has sent his Holy Spirit to come and live with us and dwell in us. And he has given us the opportunity to be empowered by him. So what does that mean? That means we don't have to walk in darkness. We don't have to walk in sin. We don't have to be addicted. We don't have to have broken relationships. We can have victory over this, these things too. And that's what we ought to be searching for or working towards and trusting God for. Again, our big idea this, this morning is this, Jesus is the way to follow, the truth to believe and the life to live. As we close, I want you to listen to Jesus' words again here, this time in John thirteen, thirteen through 17. He says, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do, just as I have done for you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Friends, Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He has given us this incredible example, marked with humility and self-sacrifice for our good and for his glory. I'm going to close us with a word of prayer, but challenge us with that thought of this is the kind of life that we ought to be living, just like the one Jesus had modeled for us. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you for your word. Thank you for your example. Thank you for the life that you had lived. Thank you for your sacrifice. The fact that we can come directly to you, God the Father. And you don't see us for our sinful ways, but you see us through the lens of the shed blood of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us. We thank you, Lord, that you are the way maker. We thank you, Lord, that you are a promise keeper, that you're that light in the darkness like the song says, God. And we put our trust and our faith in you. In Jesus' name.